This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. In a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint online at johnnysmartpoint.com. That's coming up, but first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. Gyms and fitness centers in BC are open this weekend, but some new COVID-19 measures will have to stay in place. The public health order requiring them to stay closed lifted on Thursday morning, but to be open, gyms will have to provide enough space for people working out. Seven square meters per person with a capacity limit of 25 people. The spacing requirements apply to people working out on their own as well as group fitness classes. Gym patrons will be required to mask up at all times, except while exercising, though they are encouraged to keep them on the whole time if possible. Staff, instructors, and personal trainers will have to wear masks at all times. Proof of vaccination is also still required at gyms and fitness centers. Gyms, fitness centers, and other businesses were forced to close entirely in December due to the Omicron wave. Uh, many have been calling for BC to allow the fitness industry to reopen, reopen, saying that uh, it's important for people's physical and mental health. While the public health order keeping gyms closed has now been lifted, others remain in place. Restrictions on restaurants, bars, and event venues have been extended until at least February 17th. There will be continued limits of six people per table, at restaurants and indoor events are capped at 50% capacity. Bars and nightclubs currently allowed to be open as long as they offer food services. Dancing remains prohibited and customers are not allowed to mingle between tables because as we all know, that could lead to dancing. Hospital parking won't be free as of March 4th. Uh, fourth, by the way, uh, BC is bringing back paid parking at hospitals and other healthcare sites after letting us park for free for almost two years. The health minister says some people are taking advantage of the free parking and it's making it harder for patients and staff to find spaces when they need it most. Since April 2020, the province has waived about $78 million in parking fees. Patients undergoing dialysis or cancer treatments in acute care programs and parents or caregivers of kids staying overnight at provincial health care facilities will continue to have free parking and volunteers will still be able to park for free. Financial hardship provisions will continue to be handled on a case-by-case basis by health authorities. And UBC students eating dinner on Tuesday night at one of the on-campus cafeterias had an unwelcome guest. A rat was spotted scurrying around the food prep area. A lot of students saw it. It was actually caught on video, which has, of course, now gone viral. One student said she saw the rat right next to all the salad fixings. She also says a cafeteria employee came out to deal with it, but that didn't make students feel much better. As you can see on the video, the worker came out and casually picked up the rat with a pair of tongs. Then he threw the rat on the ground and then just uh, walked away. Staff removed the food that the rat was immediately near. In a statement, UBC says it closed the grill station right after the incident. The school adds all the food at the station was thrown out 
and that the station underwent a thorough cleaning and sanitation. They also said they contacted Vancouver Coastal Health and arranged for a full inspection. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk real estate, guiding us through the opportunities out there in this very interesting market will be John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. It is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And with me now is our friend, John Carlson. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, from 2% Realty. You can find him online at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can also give him a call, 604-612-0080, or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. So John, uh, we're a few weeks, we're, we're kind of well into January as uh, 2022 heats up. I, I trust you've been uh, very busy the past few weeks. You know, yeah, I'm I'm starting to get busier again. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, based on my my typical month that January has been all that busy because there's not that many listings out there, quite frankly. But it's really nice to, again, kind of uh, you know have a clean slate for a brand new year and to see things picking up. And it's always interesting every year. You know, has its own personality and its own um, sort of trends going on. And and this year is is obviously an interesting one. And I do uh, anticipate that it will be a busy year for real estate and people will have real estate on the brain quite a bit this year. Yeah. And one, one of the sort of gauges in the new year are the assessments that get mailed out to people telling them the assessed value of their homes. And it, it seems really interesting. I want to get your take on this because it, it almost seems like there's this kind of uh, I, I've heard it referred to as suburbanization, because if you look at the assessments, uh, they all went up pretty much. But the smallest increases, uh, the smallest increase in the lower mainland was actually the UBC endowment lands, which only went up 11%. But then as you go east, then it starts to rise. In Burnaby, 19% increase. Port Coquitlam, 26%. Surrey, 34%. And then all the way to Chilliwack, which was up 40%. So what does that say to you about the market in greater Vancouver? When when the, the further east you go, the higher the, the price increases are. You know, you've always got such good questions, Martin. I appreciate that because uh, the assessments has to be one of the more talked about, um, you know, real estate topics out there right now. People, you know, like you say, receive it in the mail, they open up their envelope. And if you're a homeowner, it kind of hits you with a mixture of shock and surprise and <laughs> maybe disbelief and, you know, and maybe, you know, some happiness that maybe a property has gone up uh, quite a bit. But you know, you, you mentioned it's gone up across the board. Everybody knows that who's been paying attention and, and listening to CKNW and, and, and the media and looking at statistics. But I think there's, you know, there is very good reason why some areas have, have gone up more than others. And as we've talked about many, many times, you know, this is a supply and mark, uh, supply and demand market. It always is. Um, and that's really what determines pricing. But the other thing that the other component that people might want to think about when it comes to, you know, why did the UBC endowment lands only go up 11%, but maybe areas out east went up up to 40% in their tax? Well, your tax assessment really is um, your the government, the, the local government, estimating the value of your property based on the middle. It's actually July of last year. So there's probably more appreciation that hasn't shown yet. But when you look at affordability, that's a huge, huge uh, part of the, the real estate market locally. People 
have been squeezed out of some of the areas. And and when you think about supply and demand, you, there may be a huge demand to live in the endowment lands. There's no doubt about it. Who wouldn't want to live there? Yeah. But the supply of ready and willing and able buyers for that is still somewhat limited. And when you look at uh, the, you know, the affordability levels of, you know, the average family, maybe there's two jobs, uh, you know, uh, you're looking at a parents or, or, or a couple working and, you know, they've got a certain amount of income. They have a certain amount of equity, either from another property, wherever that might be. So you start to see that kind of belly of the snake statistically are people who can afford in a certain price range, but not more. So when that, you know, when that uh, water reservoir dries up in the West end of Vancouver and people say, Hey, wait a minute, I've got $2 million, but I can't get a house here anymore. Well, that large demographic tends to move where there is a supply that they can afford. And, and so, you know, we're starting to see areas like um, say Maple Ridge, for instance, which is the furthest municipality East in the greater Vancouver district. Uh, Or you look at, as you mentioned, uh, Chilliwack and Abbotsford in the Fraser Valley district, you look at, um, places where there once was quite a difference in terms of a detached housing price, well, supply and demand. The demand in that price range is really, really strong and the supplies are limited and those listings are generally found in some of these areas that have gone up quite a bit. So, you know, I sometimes, um, you know, compare it to like cattle grazing. If you've you've got a farm, uh, the cattle will graze where the grass is, but once they've eaten that up, they got to move and find, you know, somewhere else. So, these areas have been really hot that you mentioned. The market overall is has been appreciating for a number of reasons. We've talked about some of those in previous shows. But really, um, some of these areas that are the more affordable have kind of become uh, like, a, like a pool table with one short leg. You know, all the balls are kind of rushing down <laughs> to that one corner pocket. That's the affordable market right now. And it's creating um, an imbalance of supply and demand and and a bit of a frenzy that are driving prices up more than some people would have expected. Yeah. And I guess it's creating kind of a a once in a lifetime opportunity for some people, if they're thinking of selling their property and they're in a, in somewhere in, in greater Vancouver, and maybe they're downsizing or they, they want to move a little bit uh, further away. And it it really is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity and, and I think that's why people uh, might want to talk to John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, the website. Uh, you can give him a call, 604-612-0080, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Because, it, like I say, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in a lot of ways if you are in a position to sell a home in, uh, in, in greater Vancouver. And, and I guess it that can be a little bit tricky because there is opportunity out there, but you want to take advantage of it and you want to do it right. Absolutely. Again, you hit it on the head. Anyone can sell a house right now. Go ahead and put a sign on your yard or put a a, a 10 word ad in the paper and you're going to have people calling you, but you need to, I mean, most people need to maximize that investment. The big principal residence is your big investment, or maybe it's an investment property and really having a professional uh, and, and, you know, somebody with a good track record is, is so important and someone who has the ability to help you maximize that sale. It, it's, it's really key, especially right now. The stakes are high. Uh, there's a bit of, you know, um, unknown out there. People, there's a little bit of disbelief. People don't really know what their house might be worth. They hear stories, but they, they're not really sure. And, 
And and one thing about real estate sales that I've that I found is you don't necessarily get what your property is worth. You get what you're able to justify for your property. When you're selling, you tend to be able to sell for what you can convince someone else that your property is worth. Um, you know, in in higher markets, buyers may, of course, automatically offer higher uh, purchase price on contracts than they might otherwise. But it's setting the stage for uh, for that to be maximized. That is that is really key. And you know, I, I was thinking a lot about that just to the end of last year and then the beginning of this year. Um, you know, with my own business, I've been pretty fortunate because I've been doing this a long time and I've, you know, I've had quite a few sales and quite a few very happy clients. And most of my business, probably 70% or more is uh, listings. In other words, I represent the seller in a transaction. I also represent buyers, but they tend to be people whose homes I've already sold or that I'm about to sell. I don't generally just work with loose buyers looking to buy. So, you know, I've probably got 70 to 75% of my transactions are are listings. And I'm very experienced working with sellers. And to me, I'm thinking, you know, this is the kind of market that I'm that I'm really built for, to tell you the truth. I, I feel very <laughs> comfortable in this market where, you know, a lot of people who work exclusively with buyers are having a, a really difficult time. So it is an interesting market. Um, it's one that if you're going to sell, you, you mentioned that you know, it's a once in a lifetime, you know, and I don't know, because it's hard to predict what the future might hold. But there is a lot of evidence to suggest that we're in a very high spot in terms of uh, real estate pricing. And for those listeners out there who, you know, might be thinking or know somebody in their family who's thinking it might be the right time to, to downsize or to sell and move elsewhere or, or even to sell and buy again locally, it's going to be very important to you that you maximize that sale price, especially if you're buying again. But um, you know, you want to make sure that you don't short sell yourself, and you want to make sure that the you know the effort that you have put in and the money that you've put in to your property over many, 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 many years comes back to you. And that's really what what my specialty is. Um, so again, good agent knows how to position your property, knows how to show it to its best advantage, help you get it on the market in the right way. And give you good advice so that when the time comes, uh, you know, and sometimes it's, it's funny, you know, I've, I've often thought this as well, you know, you put the property on the market, it's shown for a week, you've got your, you know, not open houses, but open for showing times, and you've got, you, you, you give access to all the potential buyers out there. But then it's kind of, you know, showtime is that Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon when you invite the offers to come in, and you may have two offers, you may have 15 offers. That's the point where you want somebody who knows how to handle that situation because that's where there could be an extra 50 or $100,000 or more simply based on the way you handle that sort of situation. So that's kind of, you know, that's, that's prime time. And, um, you know, I think that if you're selling on the market right now, you, you really want an agent who uh, has some experience at that particular uh, situation and who knows how to choose his or her words property to, to convey your position as a seller in the best possible way to the buyers so that you get that right result. So definitely a, a super interesting market and a market that I feel very comfortable operating in. Yeah. John Carlson built for this market. Uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. You can email him at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And, and because it does seem on the surface, like you say, you just put a sign in the yard and then the multiple offers over asking, uh, just roll in. But 
it it's not a given because we we hear about these uh you know way over asking offers that come in but it's not a given that that you get that kind of performance you you need to kind of know what you're doing it is i think that you know in in a stable market it's you know you, you tend to see results that are very similar you know i remember back when i started in the you know in the mid to late 90s and the market was pretty flat you know it actually had dropped a bit and you'd see a house that sold for $400,000 so you knew you were probably going to get between 390 and 410 and eh, you know that but in this market completely different there there's numbers all over the place how to interpret those numbers and knowing why maybe some homes sold for more and others didn't you know or having a good idea that's important and given the high stakes and the high prices i mean I've been involved in many, many times as a, as a buyer, I'm sorry, as a listing agent where we have a great number of offers come through on a listing and a seller saying, Hey, wow, this one sounds really great. But, you know, I suggest, okay, well, why don't we take this approach? We don't want to uh, pressure any buyers. We don't want to send them away. We don't want them to run away packing because we're being hard handed with them, but why don't we invite them? Why don't we give them an opportunity to maybe improve some things about their offer? Why don't we, you know, as a as a listing agent, I do not have, and I don't, uh, the right or the ability to disclose what one offer might be to another offer or disparage one offer against another. But there are ways to let buyers know and to at least to test their, uh, you know, to test their seriousness, to test how how motivated they are to buy this property without turning them off and sending them running, doing it in a friendly way to give them the opportunity to step up. And sometimes that's as simple as just, you know, picking the top two or three offers. And I'm not a decision maker. I might suggest this to a seller. Why don't we just call them and let them know that we're looking at a couple offers that are pretty similar and, uh, you know, give them a little bit of time to come back and just no pressure, but give us a reason to choose your offer. And, you know, that might be the most simple way to do it. And there are all kinds of techniques that I won't go into here. They're all ethical. These are all ways to, to, um, to work for a seller to get the best possible result. But um, I've seen many, many cases, as I said, where you think that you might be kind of pretty much done, ready to pick an offer, and then somebody steps up with $50,000 more, it's unconditional. And you know that tends to make sellers pretty happy. Yeah. John Carlson from uh, 2% Realty. You can go to johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com on the internet. You can give him a call 604-612-0080 or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk about how you can save some money on commissions. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking real estate with John Carlson. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. You can give him a call 604-612-0080-0080-612-0080. And uh, you can also send him an email at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And John, uh, over the past few years, we have heard uh, numerous testimonials from your clients on this show. We get them and, and I'm always really amazed. They're always so keen to talk about their experience they had with you selling a place. 
And uh, we're talking about this market right now, which it, it is so easy to sell a property, but not that easy to do it properly, to maximize what you get for that property. And, and, and I'm going to say it, I, I, you seem a little hesitant, but that's fair to say that it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. If, if somebody has a, a house they've lived in for a long time, they're thinking of downsizing or, or, or they want to maybe move somewhere a little more remote as they retire, they want to work remotely. This is a great time to sell a property. So here's a question for you. Um, if somebody out there is thinking, well, I think I want to sell this house that I've lived in for many, many years. It's the biggest investment I will ever make. And it, it's crucial to the rest of my life, to my retirement. So obviously it's, it's the most important thing financially to them. Why should they choose John Carlson and go to johnnysmartpoint.com? Why should they choose you to be their agent? Wow. Another great question. And you're, you're putting me on the spot, of course, but, um, I've been doing this a long time and any, I mean, good agent should have an answer ready for this, for this one. So, you know, I, and I, and I do, uh, I would think there's probably three good reasons, three very good reasons why people might want to consider working with me and um, allowing me to represent them in the sale of their home. Uh, I think the first one probably has to do with experience and track record. So when you're working with someone, um, you want to know what they've been up to in the past. How successful have they been working for other people? Um, and you mentioned the reviews, and that's that's always, you know, that's always nice to hear people, you know, give me good reviews. But you know, I've been doing this an awful long time, and I, uh, you know, I think that it's common sense that if you have someone with a long and very successful track record, that you know that agent has probably navigated many different waters: the calm, the choppy, the you know, and seen a lot of things, and so. You know, to have good skills when it comes to negotiating, um, that's that's a huge that's a huge benefit and that's an advantage. Um, and by the way, you know, when you're when you're paying someone a commission to represent you in the sale, it is the representation that you're paying for. You're you're not really paying for you know how many hours did the person spend in the house. Not that I don't spend time because I do all of that stuff as well. But you want someone with a good track record who knows how to get the results and. It's kind of funny. I, I'll go off on a bit of a tangent, but um, after years of, of playing sports in university and that sort of thing, I haven't watched much, but I've kind of got into NFL football. And there's there's all this talk about, you know, Tom Brady and how he leads and how this and all that stuff. And I, I kind of, you know, I, I don't, I'm not that keen on it. I've, I've started watching it again this year, but it does occur to me that there's, you know, there's definitely something to be said for someone who knows how to perform and is able to perform at those crucial moments. So, you know, a track record of success uh, is is really important. The second thing, which I think is, I'll call it one B because it's equally as important, is loyalty uh, and dedication to the client. People want someone working for them who is working for them. They don't want other side interests coming, you know, involved. Of course, I get paid well for what I do, but I always make sure that the first thing in my mind is to give good advice to the client. I'm not a decision maker. I advise. I, I paint scenarios. I we talk about potential outcomes, and I I try to empower my clients so that they can make really good decisions. And I, you know, let's face it, they rely on me quite heavily sometimes uh, to give them advice on how to handle these search, certain situations, especially you know when it's crunch time in in the multiple offer type thing. And so along that line, I'd also let people know that in in this 26 years in the business and well over a thousand sales. I've never once uh, needed my errors and emissions insurance. I've never filed a claim. We're all covered in case we make mistakes or do things that would, 
result in our clients needing protection. And uh, I've never had to do that. And I've never had a disciplinary action or a complaint or thing like that in the real estate board or council. So I've got a very clean record. And the reason for that is I tell the truth as I understand it 100% of the time. You know, I, I'm not perfect. Uh, I don't decide the, how the market reacts or how particular buyers or sellers will react. But I do have a duty to be an open book and give everything I have uh, in terms of what I understand to the client so they can make you know really good decisions. So to have someone with an experienced track record who works for you and works hard for you, those are the those are the two big things. And then I think the third reason that people might want to work with me uh, is that typically I save the money compared to most of the competition out there. So we're talking about house prices that are a million, two million, and three million dollars. And typically a two percent structure. People call me and they say it's kind of funny. Hey John, what's your uh, what's your commission structure? And I'll say it's two percent. Oh, okay. Well, it's one percent for my side. I retain one and we offer one out to the buyer's agent. Okay, fine. And well, what about a three million dollar house? And I'll say, well, it's it's two percent. So anything uh, above five hundred thousand is a two percent commission, and that usually translates into about a 35, 40, you know, there's seven and three percent on there. There's seven and two and a half. There's different business models. But compared to those, people are saving probably 35 percent on average. And and that's real money. And um, as long as you're not uh, sacrificing uh, and getting less for your money, I think that that's kind of a clincher for people. Let's let's face it. A lot of people have told me and I, I never mind hearing it. John, we kind of think that real estate commissions are too high. And I'll bet you a lot of listeners right there are probably nodding their heads um, mm-hmm. and they want to get good value, right? And and there's always that story, I think of, I don't know if it's folklore or not about George Washington, the surveyor who was asked to itemize his $25 bill for settling a property dispute. And I guess the this is folklore, but the bill came back that it was, uh, you know, 50 cents for the stake and 24.50 knowing where to put it. And <laughs> there's there's a lot of truth in that in, in real estate as well. So if you want to work with me, you'll get an agent with a really good track record. Uh, I've got a lot of experience. I'm loyal to my clients. And in the end, you will pay me only upon successful sale of your home where you're satisfied. But chances are you'll save a, a big chunk of money in the process. Yeah. And we've heard that from, from many of your clients, I mean, pretty much all of the clients, uh, in the testimonials that we've had on this show, because you are a 2% realtor, uh, with, uh, as you say, 26 years of experience, you've sold more than a thousand properties. Uh, and that's why people should go to johnnysmartpoint.com. That's the website. Uh, you can send them an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com dot com. And, uh, I, uh, what you were saying there, I heard from a lot of the testimonials that we've heard, uh, it's about saving money, but also the loyalty. There was one, one, uh, client of yours, uh, who, who had a, an apartment that they sold and they were living in the East by this point, they were living in the Maritimes, but they had a, um, a tenant and they were very concerned that they didn't, they wanted to be fair to the tenant. And they said, you were very, very helpful in that. And, and I think that that comes uh, with the loyalty part you were talking about that you do listen to your clients. Yes, that's loyalty, but it also plays into my job to get the best possible results for a seller. And, you know, let's face it, if you don't handle the tenant properly, you're going to have a lot of trouble getting the right results. Um, you know, you, you can't be forceful with tenants. And when a tenant is renting a house or a, or a property, that's their property, really, in terms of them living there. So that's a small piece to the puzzle. I'm happy to talk about it. But um, in the pursuit of getting the best results for a seller, 
there are a lot of little details that you want to make sure you get right, because if you make mistakes on some of these little founding details, you might not be able to um, achieve the kind of results that you really should. So again, that comes, I guess, down to experience and, and, and just knowing and wanting to know and wanting to do a good job for a client because I kind of, you know, make friends with a lot of my clients and, you know, we talk years after sometimes and they refer me business down the road. And I think that's wonderful. And to be really honest, you know, I come from a sporting background and, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, I was, uh, you know, I wanted to score 20 points a game and get 10 rebounds. And now I get my, you know, my happy justification. I feel good about doing what I'm doing when a client when all is said and done, they say, John, we're so happy we hired you. You made the process easy and we're, we're extremely satisfied. We're going to recommend you to everybody we know. And to me, that, you know, that, that is, that's really half the battle right there. That's, that's what keeps me going in 25 years in the business. I'm going to keep working probably hopefully another 10 years. And that's really what keeps me going as much as anything. Right. That's the win uh, for John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And uh, we've just heard uh, why people should call you. And we talked earlier about this market, which uh, is really red hot. And for people who are thinking it's time to downsize uh, and they're thinking, well, this might be my big opportunity to, you know, to take advantage of this, this investment in my home that I've made as, as I retire or, or whatever. So what's the process for somebody who wants to, to sell their home? Uh, it doesn't have to be tomorrow to call you. If they go to johnnysmartpoint.com, they can just have a consultation with you and, and talk about the future, right? That's absolutely right. Sometimes people uh, call me or they send me an email and they say, you know, we're not sure if the timing's right, but I've got an opportunity to take a, a retirement or whatever it might be. And uh, sometimes people just want to talk on the phone in which I say, Let, well, let's set up a time and we might talk. And or other times people say, gee, would you, would you come out to my house and maybe do an evaluation for me and, and just listen to what I have to say. And, and I'm always willing to do that. Um, in fact, you know, when I'm just thinking ahead in the next month or two or three of the clients that I'll likely be working with in terms of listing their house for sale, a lot of these people I was talking to last year and maybe the timing wasn't quite right. So, um, yes, I think the, the process is if, if you want to contact me, you can email me, as you said, phone, uh, you know, I love the phone. Just give me a phone call or text me even, uh, and, and we'll talk about it. And if you decide you want an evaluation and you want to talk about what kind of strategy you might employ, um, that's fine. I can come and do that. Oftentimes people want to see, uh, you know, a person in, in person as well. They want an in-person visit because they want to know, is this the kind of person that, that I could work with? Does, does this person listen to me? Do I feel like I have a connection with, with this person? Because if you don't, you shouldn't hire them. Um, you need to be working with someone you're comfortable with and that you trust. So when I go to meet people, I'm never pressuring them. I try to give them the best information I can at all times. And, uh, you know, when you do that, pretty much you, you've set the stage for a successful business relationship. And when the time is right and it's time to, to, to act on that, then I'm ready. So, yeah, I invite any, any um, people looking at selling their home in the near future to give me a call. And you, you specialize in the entire lower mainland. You, you know the difference between, say, Burnaby and uh, Vancouver and uh, Maple Ridge. You, 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 you service the entire area. Yeah, you, that's a great point. You know, over the years, my my uh, area has kind of expanded, and and you know, it's 
of course, if you're working in an area, you need to know that area. What are the trends? What's the supply and demand ratio? What are the comparable sales? Um, you know, what's happening in those areas in terms of development? But, you know, a lot of these, you know, I work in these areas regularly and to just get updated, it's not entirely difficult to, um, to, to just give some current information, be right up to speed. So I'm very comfortable working uh, in Vancouver, you know, the west end of Vancouver. I've worked North Vancouver lately, Maple Ridge. Uh, I've worked Abbotsford, a lot of business in Surrey and Langley, um, Coquitlam and Tri-Cities. Wow, these are all areas that, uh, you know, I, I grew up out here. I know these areas and I'm happy to come out and meet people in these areas and, and uh, give them the best advice that I can. Well, thank you, John. Always great to talk to you. And uh, uh, I look forward to talking to you in a few weeks. Thank you. Look forward to it as well. Great. John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. johnnysmartpoint.com. The phone number 604-612-0080. And I know John loves getting phone calls. 604-612-0080. And john at johnnysmartpoint.com is the email address. And coming up next, it's Vancouver Consumer. Uh, I'm Martin Strong. And coming up next, Crime in the City. How was 2021? It depends on the crime. We'll find out which crimes were up and which were down in the Lower Mainland. That's next. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And if you watch the news, it might seem like crime is on the rise in the Lower Mainland. Lots of break-ins, assaults. They seem to be happening all the time. But actually, in some categories, crime is down, way down in the past year, with the most significant drops in 2021 related to break-ins to businesses, homes, and vehicles. This is all according to new statistics posted on the Vancouver Police Department's website this past week. The stats, which compare a specific set of crime categories to 2020, the year before that, show that break-ins to businesses were down 26%. There were just over 2,000 of them in 2021. Home break-ins were down by 23%. There were 770 home break-ins last year. Break-ins to vehicles saw a 28% drop across the city. There were just over 7,000 reported auto break-ins last year. Compare that to 2019. 7,000 last year. In 2019, there were over 16,000 auto break-ins in the Lower Mainland. So why the drop? Well, it's all thanks to COVID, pretty much. Fewer people traveling to work, fewer vehicles parked on the street, and more people working from home. Fewer people are also dining out, shopping, and attending entertainment venues. As well, schools have gone to a mix of remote and in-classroom learning as well. The only crimes to see notable increases year over year in the 20 categories identified police by police were reported sexual offenses, 584 in 2020 to 638. That's a 9% increase. And arsons were also up, jumping uh, up 13%. Although assaults across the city averaged out to 1.8%, uh, from 2020, the area that includes the West End, Yaletown, Coal Harbor, and the Central Business District of Vancouver, that saw a 12% increase. And that increase would include the unsolved random attack on a 22-year-old woman on New Year's Eve in front of the Hotel Georgia on West Georgia Street. You might have seen it. Police released a video to the media on Wednesday 
Uh, it's a brutal attack. The video shows a man described as white and middle-aged violently pushing the woman against the exterior wall of the hotel and holding her down before just continuing along the sidewalk. And uh, police chief Adam Palmer told the Vancouver police board in October that random assaults are at a level that he has not seen ever in his policing career. He added that 28% of the suspects arrested were living with some form of mental illness. Also of concern, he continued, was the increase in shoplifters resorting to violence when the shoplifters were approached by staff, customers, or the cops. The number of those incidents as uh, of the October police board meeting was up 43%. At least murders were down. Murders in Vancouver dropped from 21 in 2020 to just 18 last year. This is Vancouver Consumer, and coming up, we're going to talk about your dental health and how it is a big part of your overall health. We'll talk to the folks at BC Perio right after the news. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.